Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. Wherever you're listening to us or whatever device you're listening to us on, we appreciate your eyes and ears as we have a very fun episode today. I am flying solo. My name's Mark Ellis. For upcoming tour dates, you can go to markellis.live. I'm currently in Las Vegas this week telling jokes at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club in the MGM Grand. But it's a big week, not just for me, but for an actor who's really on the rise that we're going to talk about today. I think he's going to do some big things in Hollywood. This Tom Hanks guy. Tom Hanks has Pinocchio coming out soon. And then you also have the Elvis movie that he stars as Colonel Tom Parker in that is out on your VODs, on your uh, stuff like that at home. So you can watch Elvis at home. You can go see Pinocchio or you can listen to this show and you can get a wide swath featuring the best of Tom Hanks because we're running through his tomato meter, specifically the top 10 and what movies we think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong about being in that top 10. What should be in Tom Hanks's top 10? What movie's in there that is maybe just a little too high? There's a great editorial right now that you can check out on RottenTomatoes.com. It's the the full list, and it's all the Tom Hanks movies that is ranked by Tomato Meter. So it's a, it's, a, it's a beefy article, but it's a great, great read. And so you can check out the top 10 in your opinion. If you feel strongly about Tom Hanks one way or the other, as all of us do, RT wrong at RottenTomatoes.com is what's written in my show notes. I believe our email address is RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. There it is. Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. I just said our email address five different ways, and I'm pretty sure you're going to be able to figure out the right one at the end of this show when we open up the mailbag. So enough preamble, enough yapping with me. We have an incredible guest today who is a member of the Binge Boys. He's the bad boy of the Binge Boys, and you also know him from Tournament of Nerds and Screen Junkies, and he's coming up right on the other side of this Tom Hanks ranking. Buckle up, everyone. We consolidated the Toy Story movies. It would have been like half the Tomato Meter top 10. So we consolidated the Toy Story movies. Uh, that is number one, according to the Tomato Meter, because you got 100 percenters in there. Number two is big from 1988. That's 97% certified fresh. Catch Me If You Can slides into the three spot at 96%. Apollo 13 is also 96%. And then at number five, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, 95% certified fresh. Captain Phillips is number six at 93%. It's tied with number seven, Saving Private Ryan. And number eight, That Thing You Do. And then we get to Bridge of Spies in the nine spot at 91% certified fresh. And then we finally fall out of the 90 percentile 
with number 10, Castaway, which is 89%. That is your Tom Hanks top 10, according to the tomato meter. But now we bring in that famed writer, producer, actor, comedian, brilliant mind when it comes to all things entertainment. He is the co-host of the Binge Boys podcast, the co-host of Tournament of Nerds. You love him from Screen Junkies. You've probably met him on the street, and he's just been such a swell fella to you in person. He is Hal Rudnick, returning champion. Good day, sir. Oh, Mark Ellis. Uh, what what an intro. I mean, I, I, I can't follow that. How can I live up to that intro? Oh, my goodness. Um, what a pleasure to be here. What a pleasure to talk. America's dad. America's brother, uncle. He's been so much. He's grown up before our very eyes. He started uh, on uh, situational comedies, and he is now uh, in serious Spielbergian fare and everything in between. What a pleasure to be here. There's been a lot of phases of Tom Hanks going all the way back to those sitcom days, not just with Bosom Buddies. I think he popped into an episode of, like, I want to say Taxi or something like that. And Oh, he had a very famous episode of Family Ties. That's right. It was like a very special episode because Tom Hanks, it, was, um, it wasn't straight up comedy like uh, most sitcoms. It was some serious dramedy because he was a problem drinker on this episode. Mm-hmm. And and I specifically remember the scene where he was trying to stay clean, but he went into the kitchen on Family Ties and he chugged a bottle of vanilla. <laughs> vanilla extract. And that's, I, I remember, I don't know how I pulled up that recall because I didn't search that beforehand. I just remember that when I was little. I was like, oh. Like the thing that stayed with me is you can get drunk off drinking vanilla. Cut it out, Uncle Ned. You you really don't need this. Oh, 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 here we go. Now, it may not be Miller time, but it is vanilla time. Look at you, kid. Now, remember, don't drive and bake. Yeah, that's. I don't know if he was an alcoholic or maybe he just had a a biting sweet tooth that he was trying to cure in the <laughs> Keaton family kitchen with their vanilla extract. That is a deep dive into the early days of Tom Hanks. And but let me ask you this because as you mentioned, he's America's everything to us, so we're all fans yes. of Tom Hanks. If you are looking at that top ten that I just eloquently to a point read, what is the movie that you feel like? belongs in there, but just somehow isn't. Now, I don't love this movie. It's a polarizing movie, but I feel like, all right, let me back up the uh, car a little bit and take like an overview here. The list is missing a lot, certain oeuvres of (laughs) Hanks. And I'm talking the lighthearted, goofy Hanks from the 80s, which we'll talk about a little bit more. And then conspicuous by their absence, his two Oscar films. And they're polarizing in different ways. And we can uh, talk about that in a moment. But I think Forrest Gump, even though I'm not a Forrest Gump lover, I appreciate it for what it is. It's uh, this guy who's a little, um, you know, uh, neurologically challenged, uh, uh, let's say, and he's uh, not a bright dude, 
but he spans decades of history, falling in with the right people, managing to show up at the right place. And you know what? It's a little schlocky. It's manipulative. But it's also a little bit of a feel-good romp. And didn't it win Best Picture? It certainly did win Best Picture. And everybody rails against it now because it beat out Shawshank Redemption, which everybody watches ad nauseum. And And Pulp Fiction. Fiction. That's right. So you have that movie come out in 1994. And you're right. That was the second of his back-to-back Oscar wins for Philadelphia and then Forrest Gump. Yeah. So people like like rail against Forrest Gump. I feel like you either love Forrest Gump or you hate Forrest Gump. There's very few uh, <laughs> tweeners on Forrest Gump. A lot of people, like I've, I ask people all the time, it's, this is my icebreaker. Hey, do you have a favorite <laughs> film or what's one of your favorite movies? Um, you, you've been my wingman before, before I've, I got married. I, you uh, and I have been to many <laughs> dinner parties together. Oh yeah. And uh, people say Forrest Gump, like on the reg. Uh, so I feel like it, is an Oscar uh, uh, win for him. It's, you know, it's an iconic film. It's uh, some very good work by Zemeckis. It's got some great supporting stuff. Gary Sinise, didn't he win uh, Best Supporting? I believe he did. He was at least nominated for it. At least nominated. Like, going to your point here, if you look at the audience score, so Forrest Gump is 71% of the tomato meter, still fresh, but nowhere near the top Mm -hmm. 10. Forrest Gump on the audience score side is 95%. So maybe there is something to how Rudnick's claim that Forrest Gump belongs in the top 10. For me, I'm going to go with another movie that yeah. we, we, we don't get romantic comedy Tom Hanks much in this top 10 either, which is surprising mm-hmm. because he's got that trio with Meg Ryan and a couple other films sprinkled in. But I look at a movie that I really think does everything right. And it gives you sports. It gives you all the dramatic feels. It gives you some comedy. It has all of the things that you want to see Tom Hanks do. And he does them brilliantly as Jimmy Dugan, the former player, now manager of the Rockford Peaches, a league of their own, which it's still shocking to me. It's 81%, which is good for most movies, but 81% just feels low to me. And I believe that belongs somewhere in Tom Hanks's top 10. But when you, when you say, Hey, this movie belongs in the top 10, you got to take something else out. So how and I are going to be debating all of these things. We're going to be weighing back and forth with what should be in the top 10 with what we think is a little too high and the reasons therein. I'm just getting word that Gary Sinise was nominated as Lieutenant Dan. He lost to Martin Landau for Ed Wood. I believe that was, Oh yeah. Uh, Landau played Bella Lugosi. Uh, yes, fantastic performance. Great flick. Great flick. Speaking of great flicks, our expert review curation manager here at Rotten Tomatoes, Tim Ryan, has a segment that we do every week on the show called Two Minutes with Tim. And today he's going to be giving us the scoop as to what some critics were saying at the time of various Tom Hanks's release. Tim Ryan, together again at last. Take it away. Two Minutes with Tim. Tom Hanks' best-reviewed movies are all four Toy Stories, which are among the best-reviewed films in Rotten Tomatoes history. Toy Story and Toy Story 2 are both 100% on the tomato meter, Toy Story 3 is at 98%, and pulling up the rear is Toy Story 4 at a comparably measly 97%. It goes without saying that all of them are certified fresh. The best-reviewed live-action Tom Hanks movie is Big from 1988, which is certified fresh at 97% with 78 reviews, and it has a 78% audience score. Big is followed closely by Apollo 13 and Catch Me If You Can at 96%, and A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood at 95%. 
And just for the record, his latest Elvis, in which he plays Colonel Tom Parker, is at 78%. All of these films are certified fresh as well. By contrast, Tom Hanks' worst-reviewed film is The Circle from 2017, which is a thriller about a particularly invasive social media company. It's rotten at 15% with 149 reviews, and it has a 21% audience score. You may have already forgotten about that one. So what did the critics have to say? In a fresh review for Big, Kathy Burke of United Press International wrote, What makes this all work, of course, is Hanks himself, who brings a remarkable authenticity and simplicity to the role. He makes being a kid seem as wonderful as it was, and is scary and confusing, too. However, writing about the film's cast in a rotten review for The Circle, Angie Hunt of Mashable wrote, Only Tom Hanks manages to do anything interesting, giving his avuncular image just enough of an edge to make him unsettling. So that's a quick overview of some of the highlights of Tom Hanks' filmography. Let's kick it back to Mark, who spends a lot of time contemplating whether video hockey is in fact a sport. Back to you. You know how I remember my aunt um, was she was in the studio audience of the David Letterman show. I think it was still the, the his original late show that would that was like after it was like 1230 at night, 1230 to 130. Yeah, she was in the studio audience and Tom Hanks was the guest on the show that day. Mm-hmm. And my aunt says that she's since been won over by Tom Hanks. But she said in the early days, she just couldn't shake the idea that he was just trying to be like the next Bill Murray. And I I found that an odd comparison, but I I don't know, maybe in the time it was something else, but we did see him grow up before our eyes. And initially he was known as a comedic actor. Absolutely. I mean, you go back to just like some crazy comedic romps like uh, Bachelor Party. Bachelor Party is straight up raunchy. Like, you know, it's, you know, it's almost surprising that like he came, like he survived Bachelor Party because Bachelor Party is like a very like kind of dirty, like R-rated comedy. Like he would never go near that kind of material and never did since then, I believe, uh, nowadays. But, uh, you know, also Splash and The Burbs. And yeah, he was a a real uh, comedic actor, not not even like sniffing these prestige dramas, uh, the the Ron Howard, Steven Spielbergian stuff that he's done uh, post- yeah, I want to get into like like where he actually where it started to make the turn where it's like, you know what? I am I can be the best dramatic actor on the planet right now. So, let's kick it off with the music for Movie Talk. If you start with the top of the list here, how the Toy Story movies again, we combined all of them 1 through 4 because they're all dominant on the tomato meter. Toy Story 1 and 2 are at 100% and then Toy Ooh. Story 3 falls off a cliff to 98%. And then you have Toy Story 4, which is 97%. Do you feel like the Toy Stories are really that great? Because I I feel like they're revolutionary and great movies. And so we sort of combine everything that they've done for the art form as well as the entertainment value. And there's your 100%. Do you think that they belong as high as they are on the list of Tom Hanks's great movies? Yeah, the Toy Story, especially the first one, Game Changer. It was one of the very early Pixar films. It really expanded our horizons as far as animated films. And it's an iconic performance from Hanks. Now, I am waiting for the gritty reboot of Woody. 
Just the, in the same way they went back and uh, did Lightyear. Uh, I want like a Sergio Leone sp- bloody spaghetti Western where uh, Woody or like an Unforgiven where like Woody's just trying to hang up those guns, but he's got to have one last ride. I would Yeehaw. love to see that. And then that's the reason why we got the toy. You know, for me. Toy Story and Toy Story 2 have special places in my heart, but Toy Story 3, I think, is the best of the bunch just because... You know what? I was just I was just thinking that because, yeah. you know, the pathos at the end and the dark turn and, like, you are fearing for their very lives in that climactic scene. It ain't just uh, he's got a snake in his boot. He might <laughs> burn. He might go into the freaking furnace. <laughs> Ned Beatty as a bear. I mean, maybe as as scary as Ned Beatty has ever been, as even meaner than when he plays Rudy's dad and tells him to give up his dream of playing football (laughs) at Notre Dame. Um, We look at this list, Hal, and in order for us to put in something that we really feel like belongs there, like a Forrest Gump or a League of Their Own, you got to take something out. So if you're eyeballing the top 10 movies of Tom Hanks, according to the tomato meter, what's the one that stands out to you as the sore thumb? The one that you're like, okay, why is this here? Maybe it's good, but it doesn't belong with the elite. Uh, that's a great question. And in, to answer that question, I just want to talk about the list uh, as a whole for a moment, Mark, in as much as this list, you know, it's clinical. It's This list was uh, created by scientists in a lab. And don't get me wrong, because I go to the tomato meter. I use the tomato meter before I go to the theaters. If something if something is a green splat, I, you know, I might sidestep it and wait for streaming, my dude. But um, all my uh, my reliance on the tomato meter aside, when you think about Hanks, you think about the heart. And just how he lives inside us. He owns real estate. He lives rent free in my heart, <laughs> mind, and soul. So uh, th- this this list, there's yeah, there's certain issues with it. It's a little dry for my taste. It's a little um, one note for my taste. It's a little too prestige, Hanks. Uh, and and antiseptic Hanks, and you don't have the big swings, the fun. I mean, I love your pick of League of Their Own. So um, in thinking about the list being a little too one note for me, I'm narrowing it down to remove. It's got to be either Bridge of Spies or A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And <laughs> I'm going to go a beautiful day in the neighborhood for two reasons. One, I, you know, Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks. And I think about Tom Hanks too much while I'm watching him play Mr. Rogers. It's a good performance. <laughs> You're watching but Tom I think, Hanks be your neighbor. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching, uh, yeah, I'm watching America's Dad. Also, that film came out too close to the documentary and they are forever Mm. intertwined in my mind. I don't, if you told me uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood was the name of the documentary, I would have been like, sure. I would have signed off on that and been wrong. What is the name of the documentary? Won't you be my neighbor? That sounds accurate. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's like those two movies, they came like we were riding Mr. Rogers fever. You remember the nation was swept away with Rogers fever. And (laughs) 
<laughs> like uh, we had not only did we have these two movies, we also had the uh, Mr. Rogers animated series, uh, Rogers and Rogerland. We had the Mr. Rogers one hour drama on AMC. We had the Mr. Rogers sitcom. We had the Mr. <laughs> Rogers porno. Um, getting that was Rogered. a surprise. He Mr. Just, Rogered. It, it, it started as a normal Mr. Rogers episode. Then he just kept taking off clothes. He didn't yes, stop he, at the and sweater. And he never he just, changed into his sneakers. <laughs> he just kept undressing. And it just it just seduces you. Before you know what you're watching, now the kiddos are watching at NC-17. We had the Mr. Rogers film. manga. Uh, so <laughs> I just wasn't as interested in seeing that movie. And, and it's yeah. nothing against Tom Hanks because... You have performances like that, and and you could even say that and Elvis to me, which is fresh on the tomato meter, but Elvis not threatening in the top ten. I believe Elvis is seventy eight percent. You you look at the, the storytelling style of those movies. I think was a little surprising to people the way that mm -hmm. he got into these into these characters and the way that they wanted to tell the story of Elvis and Fred Rogers respectively. If yes. I'm looking at the top ten, I have to take something out. It's, it's an interesting list because I agree with you that it's it feels cold and a little antiseptic to not yes. have any of the rom-coms or more of the broad comedies. You do have Big in there at number two at 97%, but there's some movies on this list that I find endlessly rewatchable. Catch Me If You Can is one of those. Yeah. Castaway is just one of my favorite movies of all time, so I, I will put it on record. I think Castaway belongs in the top five, not just the top ten. But then there's other movies on this top 10 that are well made, but I can't go back and revisit them. Captain Phillips was just such such an emotional powerhouse. I don't know that I can do that to myself again. Bridge of Spies, um, uh -huh. you know, Saving Private Ryan. My God, it's so well done, but it is hard to get through those movies just because you have to really emotionally prepare yourself for what's going to happen. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you. But it sounds like you were more affected by those movies than I was. I mean, do you need a couple hours to recover after watching Saving Private Ryan? I'll tell you what I do need after Saving Private Ryan. I need the double feature of that and then give me a league of their own. They both take place <laughs> around the same time. But this is True. Tom Hanks back in the States. And, and as the manager, Jimmy Dugan, of this ragtag group of gals who are going to start playing baseball. And it, it's such a wonderful, heartwarming movie that is so funny, that gets you in all the feels. And the performance of Tom Hanks, there's a scene in particular in A League of Their Own when Dottie Henson, played by Gina Davis, is going to quit. She's just done because she says, quote, it just got too hard. And then Hanks turns back into that ball player that just wants one more shot at the plate. And he says, the heart is what makes it great. If it was easy, everyone would do it. And it just, I mean, it, it's, it's the kind of speech that makes you want to run through a brick wall for this guy. And you also know exactly who he is. And he's smart with that, Hal, because he knows he's appealing to Dottie Henson's competitive side. Whether she wants to admit that it's there and, and how prominent it is, She's trying to hide it, but he knows how to get under her skin in that moment. That's what a great manager does. Chicken shit, Dottie. You want to go back home to Oregon and make 100 babies? Great. I'm in no position to tell anyone how to live. But sneaking out like this, quitting, you'll regret it for the rest of your life. Baseball is what gets inside you. It's what lights you up. You can't deny that. It just got too hard. It's supposed to be hard. If it wasn't hard, everyone would do it. 
The hard is what makes it great. Then we also get the scene where he autographs the ball for the kid, and it says, avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. So we get a little bit ah. of everything within a, a, a short time in that film. Where, where, where are your memories of A League of Their Own? Are, are you, or do you celebrate oh. it like I do? I do, I do. I mean, the, the entire cast just brings it. You, Gina Davis and Lori Petty, that big sister, little sister competitive relationship, it's fun to watch and it also, it gets you. You feel the sibling rivalry there. Rosie O'Donnell at the height of her powers. Madonna bringing the pain. Oh, what's his name? Uh, I, I'm sorry it escapes me. Uh, the broadcaster who he passed away. He was uh, one of the duo from Lenny and Squiggy on Laverne and Shirley. Um, he's wonderful. There's just so many good pieces to this movie and Tom Hanks, like you were quoting one of his great scenes also an imminently quotable film stuff like uh there's no crying in baseball come on <laughs> it's it's freaking great also you know it's a broad comedic performance mm -hmm. but it, it's he owns it hard and it's kind of a nice about face for him because hanks is usually a clean-cut fella but uh jimmy dugan yeah he's rough around the edges he's a drinker um he's uh you know he's a carouser he's a boozer a user and a three-time loser i don't know about all that but yeah he uh <laughs> it's a great against type performance and he just owns the hell out of it a league of their own so well done especially when you think about about like it's a true story you have the bookends in the movie or at least mm -hmm. the ending where um you have some of the actual players going back and uh yeah a, a, such a fun flick this episode is brought to you by philo do you love tv do you love saving money then philo is your solution philo has shows movies and live tv for just 25 dollars a month you can even try it for free with their seven day free trial no contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yeah, I, I just can't get enough of crusty Jimmy Dugan when he, he's just mailing this in. He walks through the locker room and he takes the longest pee in cinema history. Maybe rival that with Austin Powers. And yes, when he's yelling at Stillwell, the little kid who's annoying everybody, he's just Tom Hanks is underrated as a yeller. He's got this growl when he yells that because he can just deliver a line normally. But when he yells, when he gets mad, you just hear a little bit of gravel in it. And it plays so well for a character that just his entire being is that five o'clock shadow 
that you see with Jimmy Dugan. He's got that Hanna-Barbera beard that he just owns because you know he woke up like that and he had a rough night before. True. You know, good yeller in the films. I think he probably should have been a little more of a yeller in his personal life, especially when he was uh, raising Chet (laughs) Hanks. Uh, Just, you know, told him, come on. Do you really want to be a rapper? I mean, you could go to, we could get you in any college. You, you, you know, uh, you, you have the, your future is bright. Chet Hanks, if you're not familiar, look him up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I love your choice of A League of Your Own. And A League of Their Own, so great, it's, it spawned uh, the TV series that we have now. That's right, yeah, that you can enjoy on, on Amazon. Um, your movie, Forrest Gump. The scene mm-hmm. that gets you about Forrest Gump. What, what is the what, what's the scene that really has all that that magic, that special sauce that you say this is why Gump is unfairly maligned just because it came out the same year as his Shawshank Redemption and it was almost too popular for its own good. The soundtrack's amazing. What's the scene that Hal Rudnick says that's why this is a great movie? When I think about Forrest Gump, there are so many pockets of Forrest Gump that are memorable. You've got Run, Forrest, Run, where he grows up and the leg braces come off and he runs across the football field and he keeps running and then he catches the kickoff when he's in college and he keeps running and then he runs across America. Come on. And then you have the schlocky memorable scenes, except they're schlocky, but we quote them to this day. Life is like a box of chocolates. Forget it. I say that still. Uh, And then you've got the ping pong scene. There are too many memorable scenes. And then Gary Sinise's character, what a fun antidote to Forrest Gump. (laughs) Uh, Lieutenant Dan is dark. He's, he's jaded. Of course he's, you know, um, wounded in action. Um, he's, uh, spending his life in a wheelchair now and you have, you know, his dark point of view versus Forrest Gump. That's really fun to watch. Unlikely pals. And then Bubba, man, Bubba. Bubba. And that, you know, the scene where he's listing throughout the course of their time in basic training and in Vietnam together, all of the different ways to prepare the shrimp. (laughs) And now we have America's finest seafood restaurant, Bubba Bubba Gump Gump? Shrimp, where you and I go once a month at Universal (laughs) City Walk to uh, get drunk and and, uh, enjoy peel and eat shrimp. They do have good specials there during the week if uh, you happen to pop into a Bubba Gump. Now they know us by name, so they just yell, it's Hal and Mark, but even before yes. then, some pretty good two-for-ones. But So I would say uh, there, there are just so many that stamp this film as iconic. And then Robin Wright, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's her character... Uh, died of AIDS or HIV in that film. I, I I believe, and I was gonna ask your take on Jenny. Is she just using Forrest? Because I, I still feel like Forrest was just being strung along by her until she really needed him when she knew she wasn't gonna make it. And then she just like, like she's like, I need to pawn my kid off of somebody because I may not pull through this one. And so then yeah. she warms up to Forrest. So I, I, I do feel for Forrest, but I still feel like the other side of me says, look, um, I, I'm rooting for Forrest my, my, his whole life, but even Jenny, um, even in, let's call her an injured Jenny, who he's not going to be with it for that long, still probably the best relationship that guy's going to find. So, oh yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about Jenny using him the way she did. 
Yeah, no, she definitely uses him. Uh, let me put it in terms the kids understand here. Farce Gump a simp. Oh, okay? boy. Yeah. Gump is simping on Jenny, and he needed to uh, pull himself together and uh, move on rather than just uh, you know be a patsy for her whenever uh, she needs a ride to the airport or someone to raise Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> That's who he is. I mean, it, and, and you talk about having a kid pawned off on you. That ain't the kid I want because a few years later, he would see dead people. And so Forrest is going to have a tough time reconciling that. Well, despite the the, the prominent usage of, of disease and war and yes. strife within the civil rights, you also have Forrest Gump. And I always liked at Forrest Gump as a story of hope. And I think the message is, and it's a, you can't go too deeply into this because we know that Forrest is, for lack of a better word, uh, more simple. But I yes. feel like the the message of that movie is, hey, you're overthinking your life. You're using your brain too much. Just turn it off and just let life kind of blow you where it blows you and just be a feather where if I, if, if you and I are sitting down, Hal, and we're trying to plan our run for the day, um, we might say, hey, I can't go that far because my legs aren't going to aren't going to carry me. I don't have the endurance to do it. Forrest doesn't really have that governor. He doesn't really have that. And so he's like, I'm just going to keep on running. And he does. And he just keeps on running and he just keeps on playing ping pong. And he's great. And he's he's successful at whatever he does. He played for Bear Bryant at Alabama. So <laughs> this is a kid who grew up with braces on his legs. And all of a sudden he's the fastest runner in the state. And so I feel like the message of that movie is that maybe we're just overthinking our lives a little too much. Yeah, I think you summed it up. But the one thing I don't want to gloss over here, Mark, which is you, what makes you one of the greats, which makes you a tactician. <laughs> Could you pronounce running the way you did moments Certainly. ago in the Forrest Gump uh, vernacular? Yeah, Forrest Gump, uh, he just started and then he just decided to keep on running. I love that. that I love that. That's that works. beautiful. It's one yes. of my favorite scenes. To be honest with you, <laughs> that's one of my favorite Forrest Gump scenes is just the way that the Jackson Brown run on Empty Tune kicks in as he continues to jog across the country. And then you you also have that fun wink and nod where he gets uh, mud splashed on his face and, uh, and, and he's tallying off and then he says it happens and he just stepped at poo. And then the guy gets the idea for the, uh, the T-shirt, uh, have a nice day. And then you also have the it happens bumper sticker all within that uh, quick scene. And so I just feel like the movie is ushering us through these trends in America through the last 50 years. And that was one of the, the fun, more lighter, but also more memorable moments of that movie. Absolutely. You know, he, he, Forrest Gump, he, he, you know, he was, uh, the zealot of his time. He showed up <laughs> in various places here, there, everywhere. And, uh, yeah, you summed it up like the feather, uh, more memorable. Here's just a little, uh, sidebar, uh, more memorable, the Forrest Gump feather, the, uh, American beauty, uh, plastic bag. Ooh, that's good. I mean, th there's there's both beauty in their own unique ways. Sound off in the comment section. <laughs> I'm going feather because it happened first. I don't think you get that American Beauty garbage, uh, little hurricane, <laughs> the little cyclone of garbage that you get in American Beauty if you don't first get the feather. And it is beautiful. I mean, th that's sort of a metaphor for my life. How is that? You know, I'm not. I have no strings to hold me down. And so I'm just kind of like okay, the Forrest Ultron. Gump feather blowing through life. <laughs> Ultron, he stole it from Pinocchio, and now Tom Hanks yes. playing Geppetto. So oh, life really can, coming full circle. We're bouncing around here, but I, I wanted to mention since you brought up um, 
Hanks's Geppetto and Pinocchio are coming up. What's up with the Hanks Pinocchio and then the Guillermo del Toro weird animated version of Pinocchio? I feel like the Guillermo del Toro version of Pinocchio is going to feel a lot more like if Toy Story was real, where you have toys that become sentient overnight and they may not have the kindest of purposes now that they can move and walk and talk. I think that Hanks' Geppetto is just going to be that, like, like we said, he's America's dad. He's becoming America's grandpa now. And so who better to usher a boy from being a tree into being a pile of wood and now into being a real boy than Tom Hanks. Like he's the guy, he's like the expendables of child rearing because you call him (laughs) when nobody else will do the job. Who else wants to raise? Just like Jenny did. (laughs) Jenny Uh, is probably the one who actually built Pinocchio and then she pawned this kid, this wooden kid who's going to smoke and turn his backside into a donkey and you're going to get swallowed by a whale. It's going to be a lot of stuff that he's go through in that movie. I just don't like that we got two. We don't need two Pinocchio movies. I don't know that we needed one. I don't know that we needed one. But okay, if somebody wants to reboot it or uh, take this IP for a spin, they need to like meet in a room like with dim lighting (laughs) and hash it out and only one Pinocchio film survives that meeting. It's just like the Jungle Book thing a few years ago and then you go back to Armageddon, Deep Impact, like, oh, the uh, volcano versus, uh, uh, what what was it? Oh, Dante's Peak. Volcano versus Dante's Peak. You also in 92 had two Columbus movies squaring off against each other. So... Um, Mm -hmm. occasionally it does Mm -hmm. happen, but Pinocchio, I I don't want to prognosticate bad things, but I'm just curious how we're going to feel about Pinocchio in terms of Tom Hanks's career, because even though we love the man to death, there are some duds on his resume. Now I have in the notes that, that our wonderful, um, producers, Lucy Bruckner and Brian Perez put together. And I guess Brian got it in his head that I, being a stand-up comic myself, hate the movie Punchline. (laughs) I don't hate the movie Punchline. I appreciate the message that it has about Sally Field coming from obscurity and just climbing the ranks. And I, I but I feel like it, it's not the most accurate. It's sort of like I go back to Rudy. It, it's like the real story of Rudy isn't necessarily like it plays out in the movie, although I do love watching the movie. Same thing with Punchline. Not every comedian gets a locker at every comedy club. We don't really have a room where you go and give a pregame speech to yourself, but it is fun watching him do some riffs because the backstory of Punchline is much more fascinating than the movie itself. By the way, that movie's fresh at 60%. Every comedian, real stand-up comic that worked on that movie, Damon, a young Damon Wayans is in it, Taylor Negron, a a bunch Mm -hmm. of actual comics, Barry Sobel, and they all say that Tom Hanks was so good so quickly because he was really going around New York City doing stand-up to prep for the role. He got so good so quickly. They said that if this was what he wanted to make his trade, his life, that he would have been one of the great comics of all time. I'm not saying that he should have stuck down that path, Hal. I think being a movie star worked out okay for him. But you hear that, the rave reviews from real stand-up comedians. I mean, it's mind-blowing. Yeah, uh, and then... Conversely, Sally Field's character, and uh, they've been uh, co-stars a couple of times, obviously, Forrest Gump. She was his mom. Um, There's probably another one in there that I'm forgetting. But not that accurate how someone could just, like, you know, step, uh, step out of the living room, step out of the dining room, and onto 
the stage and then boom, you're the darling of late night television and uh, making it. Her glow up was pretty significant and fairly quick <laughs> in in that movie. Especially because she had John Goodman as just this this husband who just refused to let her really leave the house at all. He was so upset that she was sneaking out at night to go do stand-up. But then there is a heartwarming scene at the end where they're showcasing for Johnny Carson and Hanks and Sally Field both have great sets. I honestly can't remember who wins the shot on The Tonight Show, but John Goodman finally is in the crowd. He's going to go see his wife and... He's laughing hysterically at her set. And I do find that it still brings a smile to my face that she won over her boorish, backwards thinking husband, who, again, just thought a woman's place was the kitchen and nowhere else. And he went out to see her at a comedy club and she crushed. So congratulations to Sally Field. Yeah, Sally Field walked. She walked so Mrs. Maisel could run. I'm saying you go back and watch it. She's just feeling out material. It's a very it's a very similar style of delivery that Rachel Brosnan has to Sally Field's character in that movie. So maybe some inspiration was taken from that. Um, if you're looking at Tom Hanks movies that that just missed the mark for whatever reason, what's the worst Tom Hanks movie that you've seen? Did you go Bonfire of the Vanities? Do you go? Mm. Is it one of those Da Vinci Code movies where he's got interesting hair? What is the movie that Hal Rudnick says, Tom, why? Say it ain't so. Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. There's nothing that's really terrible. Like Even The Circle is 15% on the tomato meter. I found The Circle to be interesting. Maybe not a great movie, but I found it to be an interesting commentary on where we're going as a technologically based and reliant society. So one film that I thought was, oh, oh, you could tell it was a bit of a pandemic film and it felt a little by the numbers and everything was just very convenient it's the the movie finch where he builds the robot Mm. uh to uh take care of his dog i just felt like there were too many unexplained things that it just really happened like clicked into gear by happenstance like oh he was so close to a creating ai artificial intelligence doesn't exist but he was able to crack the code with uh basically the way uh tony stark built his robot uh built iron man in a cave he built it with scraps in a cave practically uh he he built a robot that was capable of artificial intelligence. So Finch left me kind of cold. A more recent one uh, a year or two ago on Apple. That's 74% on the tomato meter. And another movie that I didn't even realize was fresh because it felt like it got panned at the time of its release was the 2012 uh, flick done by the Wachowskis, Cloud Atlas, which people Mm -hmm. have feelings on. It's 66%, so it's fresh. And it's also been listed as Tom Hanks himself saying that was one of his favorite movie experiences because he got to do so many different roles inside of that. So it may not be his favorite movie that he's ever done, but he certainly had a great time working on it. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's from like the beautiful minds of the Wachowski siblings. And it is, uh, you know, I feel like that's another polarizing film. Some people are ready for that journey and some people are like, whoa, this is a little weird. One more film uh, from Tom Hanks that I'm uh, I feel doesn't hit doesn't hit right for me. Polar Express. Polar oh, Express. Wow. I find it to be nightmare fuel. Tom, 
I think Tom Hanks is so off-putting in the animated version. Is it the Uncanny it's, Valley? Is it just the eyes are the, freaking uh, you out? It is the Uncanny Valley. Oh, and then, okay, now that I've had a moment to uh, ruminate on it, uh, one more that I that really, I'm, I think I'm an outlier when it comes to this film. I thought Road to Perdition was a slog. I'm not a Road to Perdition huh, fan. Okay. And um, we talk about, that's the one film for me, actually, Mark, where I didn't buy Tom Hanks as this gangster. I didn't buy Tom Hanks uh, in that role. Whereas, you know, we talked about how he was kind of against type in A League of Their Own, and he's got a great, um, you know, he, he's got a wide variety of types and parts and um, pockets in his career. But yeah, I was, I really thought Road to Perdition was a snooze. I put it on recently. I usually fall asleep to the movie, if I'm being perfectly honest. But I don't think it's a, it's a bad movie necessarily because, I mean, come on. You got Paul Newman. You have Daniel Craig. And obviously you have Tom Hanks. Like, it's a th th there's Jude some star Law. power there. Uh, Jude Law. So it's interesting watching, particularly Daniel Craig, who just seems very unhinged in the movie, which is a treat to watch. But mm -hmm. it is definitely one of the slower ones. It did make over $100 million when it came out in 2002. And it's 81% on the tomato meter. Um I I feel like it, when we talk about the romantic comedies that Tom Hanks is in, it's one of the legendary sort of achievements that he's got this trifecta of movies with Meg Ryan. He's done some other ones, like he had Larry Crown, which was only 37%, but him and Julia Roberts, always fun to see them together. But mm -hmm. Joe versus the Volcano, I think, in retrospect now, is looked at as just this weird, fun, experimental quirky one-of-a-kind unique movie 66 percent but the thing that continues to bug me about tom hanks's filmography according to the tomato meter here is that sleepless in seattle is only 75 percent certified fresh but how is that movie only only 75 percent and then you've got mail is 69 percent i find these to be um legendary rom-coms from the 1990s. I love the timestamp that You've Got Mail is at the dawn of the internet age. And I love mm -hmm. Sleepless in Seattle just because this guy has been through the ringer, you know? And then just to have this, the, your kid facilitate, it's one of the few movies, Hal, because you know me pretty well in real life. It's one of the very yes. few movies where I say, you know what, maybe having a kid wouldn't be so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... You talk about those films, the quintessential romantic comedies. I mean, just under When Harry Met Sally. And of course, uh, you have uh, the first lady of romantic comedies, Meg Ryan, in uh, all three, When Harry Met Sally uh, with uh, Billy Crystal and uh, the yep. two films you mentioned. Um, you know, when we talk about this list was created uh, by the movie scientists and it doesn't take into account <laughs> the heart and the joy that is Hanks. Like if it was made by made, the Finch robot, maybe the Finch robot yes, is the one that came with the Finch robot. This. But like the, the romantic comedies, I, they, I wish there was one really represent, although you could say big is a romantic comedy, but Certainly. big, when you start to uh, unpack the romance, it gets uh, slightly problematic. It's a little predatory, doesn't it? <laughs> a li little predatory. Elizabeth Perkins, uh, she was uh, stooping a 13-year-old. Uh, um, not cool, Elizabeth Perkins. You should have <laughs> known better, uh, this kid who has, what, 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 what grown man has bunk beds? What grown man has bunk beds? Anyway. It's a red flag. I'm not sure we should do this yet. Do what? Well, I mean, I like you and uh, I want to spend the night with you. 
Do you mean sleepover? Well, it's... Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I get to be on top. But I, I wanted to say, in like literally, we, we say he's America's dad, but he grew up in front of our eyes. The crazy comedies and then the prestige, like, oh, he's growing up. And then, oh, he's looking for love in these romantic comedies. And now he is, oh, he's been there for us. It's such a clear trajectory. Uh, so, man, I feel like I want to represent every era in the perfect Tom Hanks list. If I give you, let's do some goats real quick then. If I give you the best Tom Hanks rom-com, which way are you leaning? Are you going Sleepers in Seattle? Are you going the well, Terminal? Where where would Big, uh, would that go be rom-com or just straight up comedy? I would I, put Big as a as a romantic comedy. I'll, I'll give you that. And 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 Splash is another big. one that, it, Splash is unfairly maligned on the, Splash is actually, it, it's so, it, it's confounding because even the, the audience score is rotten, but Splash is fresh at 91%. And so- The audience be, score is rotten? Yeah, they just, they, they it was too, the, the world wasn't ready for mermaid films until The Little Mermaid came along in 89 is what I take from that. Mm, man, uh, yeah, uh, Daryl Hannah at the height of her powers. Uh, and didn't we have John Candy? Was John Candy in John Candy uh, in and Splat? Eugene Levy, I believe. And Eugene Levy, yeah. So- uh, Directed by Ron Howard, right? Uh, so much good work with Howard and Spielberg. Like you put you put Hanks with like these old school Hollywood studio guys, and you you got magic. You got magic. I'm telling you. But Let I would go big as my favorite. Big is your favorite rom com. I'm gonna go Sleepers yes. in Seattle because mm -hmm. I feel like the song at that when I fall in love is one of the best rom com mm. songs of all time. But if there is a song, a piece of music that accompanies a Tom Hanks film that will still emotionally resonate with me, how I'm going back to a league of their own and Madonna's This Used to Be My Playground just oh. hits me like, apologies to Miley, a, a wrecking ball. It kills me. It's just such Absolutely. a great song. And it instantly takes you to whatever place that you were as a kid that's no longer there the same way. For me, it was Kiwanis Park in Williamsburg, Virginia. This used to be my playground. It gets oh. me every time. Heck yeah. You know, back to big, it's, you know, I want to represent it. I, I might go as far Chopsticks, as- Chopsticks, a big song in, in big. Oh, Chopsticks, the, the scene in FAO Schwartz, iconic. But you know what scene I keep going back to when I think about big, that- really uh, exemplifies childhood. It's like, it, it epitomizes like that point of view. If I could do anything, if I was on my own and had resources, <laughs> the Oreo cookies, the Oreo mm -hmm. cookies in the hotel room, licking the 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 the, the, the cream, the Oreo uh, filling out and just leaving all of those discarded uh, Oreo halves. Man, Hank's just nails it he cuts to the quick of childhood it's such a brilliant performance i think and it's so nuanced because he's playing uh it's a very difficult complex character and you are along for that ride and you believe it it's so well acted so when i said best rom-com i i think of big as just like this 
this force of nature. It is fun. It is it is a comedy, but it also it gets you right in the solar plexus with the emotions. So there's so it I think Big is a transcendent film when you really think about it. The problematic relationship aside. Yeah, it, it, there's still a lot of great memories watching Big. It's never been one of my go-tos for Tom Hanks, but I am also maybe a little bit of a weirdo because like I said before Castaway is possibly my all-time favorite Tom Hanks movie. I think it's between Castaway and A League of Their Own. Castaway is sort of my fantasy. Like even when I'm going, when I'm laying down in my bed at night and I'm trying to just like relax and go to sleep, I actually think about if I was in a plane crash, I don't want anybody else to die necessarily, but I want to be on that life raft and just on the waves, there's a storm. And for whatever reason, it just calms me. And I go into this whole thing where I think about then I'd wash up on shore. How would I survive for a little bit? And oddly, that makes me, fall asleep how what is wrong with mark ellis yeah i mean if I, if I crashed i would just uh beg for the sweet release of death i would not <laughs> have the fortitude um, you're not fighting for I, the sur- for the survival on the nope, island are you? nope uh uh tell tell everyone i love them <laughs> but i will say you know you the, you you're on to something here mark because when you think of great tom hanks movies here's the question is it a movie that Tom Hanks is in, just any movie, or is it the Tom Hanks vehicle? And as Tom Hanks vehicles go, Castaway, you got Hanks Hanksing around like nobody's business. Like it is all Hanks. It's wall to wall Hanks. It's nothing but Hanks. And Castaway, it really he gives you all the feels, and he really he just drives that he drives that car for the entirety of the movie it is all him and he owns it that's what it it has to be uh up there i agree it's a top five hanks film um how uh i'm just gonna reiterate this to the audience if we're doing a fantasy draft of tom hanks movies your number one pick is big you know what i'm really leaning towards big because you get to see him really strut his stuff acting wise. You have the early vibrant comedy stuff. And then you could see there's a little more going on with this guy. He's got big things laying ahead. Kind of the same way uh, you watch Brian Cranston and Malcolm in the Middle. And it's like, oh, uh, (laughs) the dad, he's got an inner life going on. He could do more. Uh, You you get those feels with Tom Hanks. And yeah, I big I just I love it from uh, my childhood, and I think it really just resonates in so many different ways. Yeah, I gotta go big. Yeah, Apollo thirteen is way up there for me. He's so great as Jim Lovell. He um, is. Catch me if you can is one that that is so high in the tomato meter. I don't know that we talk about it with quite the same reverence as a big or a castaway. That thing you do is also just a wonderful, I think such a a time capsule movie where you really do feel like you're in that period in the early 60s. But yeah, my my number one pick would still be Castaway. So how wins yeah. the tomato meter around as far as picking the highest rated tomato meter films? Big at 97%, which puts it at number two, according to Tom Hanks, the Toy Story movies collectively being number one. And then mine, Castaway rounding out the top 10. And with that, we are... Short on time, so we're not going to go to a mailbag this week. We will have mailbag again next week. If you do want to email us, you can email us, rtiswrong at rottentomatoes.com. So let's just transition right to our big finish. 
All right, Mr. Rudnick, it is always a pleasure to spend some time with you to talk about the Hanks. You you intimated that we go to Bubba Gump once in a while. This is literally what we do when we're when we're hanging out together. We just talk R- movies, but more specifically, there's a lot of Tom Hanks in our everyday conversation. You and I, I will talk, I will talk anything and everything with you, Mark Ellis. I'll talk comic books. I'll talk baseball. I will talk Washington Commanders football. Uh, any, any Mark Ellis is good Mark Ellis. Uh, and it's uh, just uh, been a pleasure to, uh, to know you and enjoy your company for, uh, uh, geez, getting close to a decade now. It's getting close to a decade now and uh, football season upon us as of this weekend in the NFL. So that's very exciting. And uh, keep your eye on Pinocchio. We'll see where goes with that maybe we'll have Hal back once Pinocchio is released and we have some time to digest it and we can talk about where that may rank on Tom Hanks's tomato meter Tom Hanks as Geppetto in the upcoming Pinocchio and you can catch Elvis now wherever you enjoy movies at home so Tom Hanks always at the forefront of our mind you know Tom Hanks just to put a button on this he is so America's father that at the beginning of the pandemic he's the one that let us know it was going to be okay even if you get COVID God forbid he survived from remember he was like the first monster celebrity it was Chet Hanks delivering the news to us that Tom Hanks (laughs) had gotten COVID and so him and Rita Wilson they they quarantined in Australia I believe and we were so concerned for a couple days and then Tom Hanks rebounded we said all right we're going to get through this together so thank you for healing us as a nation and as a world once again tom hanks how where can everybody find you out there on the social media the stuff you're working on you have so many great endeavors projects the podcast is binge boys the live show is tournament of nerds where do we even start with you sir Sure. Uh, well, if you uh, have uh, Roku or Pluto TV, you can catch me on America's Funniest Videos Fail Center, hosting <laughs> uh, a Sports Center style show where we are giving a play-by-play of the library of America's Funniest Videos clips. Uh, it's a good time. Fail Center uh, on your AFV Roku, if you can find that, folks. And otherwise, uh, I'm doing all sorts of stuff, and you can keep up with it by following me on the social media is at Hal Rudnick on Twitter and Instagram. And if you uh, if you Twitch, uh, maybe you should see someone about that, but you can find me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Hal Rudnick. That is the iconic Hal Rudnick, a gentleman and a scholar and an all-around entertainer. He writes, he produces, he acts, he directs, he tells jokes, he does it all, kids, and I am just here trying to keep up with him for upcoming tour dates mark ellis dot live i'm in vegas right now for another couple days and then i got some road dates before a big show in los angeles in december and as far as this program goes we're back next week batman returns is the title just had a 30th anniversary not too long ago and so we're going to honor batman batman day i won't give away secret identity here you got to listen to the episode for that but we're going to be talking about the penguin catwoman and obviously Max Schreck, next week on Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. So for Jacqueline Coley, for Brian Perez, for Lucy Bruckner, for the whole gang here at Rotten Tomatoes, I am merely Mark Ellis saying there's no crying in baseball. <laughs>